0: Three, two, one. Welcome back to the Black Doctor Talk podcast. I am your host, Dr. Christopher Holmes, and member of the Black Doctoral Network. Well, today, I am not back uh, with just anyone. I am here with an amazing guest. And my guest today is Dr. Sabrina Kizzy. Dr. Kizzy is an award-winning lecturer within the Department of Communication Studies at Baruch College in New York City. That's a lot for a little country boy like me from here in Georgia. Uh, she's also a full-time faculty member. She teaches digital media courses. Now, that means for all of you people that are not aware, you're not using it, you need to amp up your digital media presence, she is here to give you some helpful tips, but she's also going to tell you a little bit about who she is. With over two decades of marketing experience, Dr. Kizzy. Has been featured in various publications, including Crane's New York Business, The Man Report, The City, and Black Enterprise. She's a global speaker and she's going to share with you on tools related to tech, diversity, marketing, social media, and mobile marketing. Please help me in welcoming Dr. Sabrina Kizzy.
1: Hello, hello, welcome everyone.
0: Listen, I'm so excited. You know, we met. Uh, maybe about a little bit over a month ago. And uh, I'm so excited about having you uh, on this episode. Now, your work is so relevant. You are the type of person we need, not only in the network, but to share with other people. And so that's what we're going to do here today. So we're going to start not so far ago. So I want to know, who was young Dr. Kizzy?
1: (laughs) Well, young Dr. Kizzy was born and raised in the Bronx, Bronx, New York City, and, you know, I had a fabulous childhood. I was raised by a very caring, warm mother, a dedicated stepfather alongside with my younger sister, and, you know, just growing up and getting my, you know, high school education, you know, college But the young Sabrina was very shy, Mm. very shy and very reserved, but always determined and focused, always determined and focused. And I would tell my mother as a youth, I want to own a piece of the Big Apple. And she would (laughs) say, what does that mean? And I'm like, I really don't know, but I want to have a piece of the Big Apple. And so she said, well, you go right ahead and do that.
0: (laughs) Wow. So... Are you still shy today?
1: Today, I would say I am more confident, Mm. not in a cocky way, but just more confident and aware of my abilities Mm.
0: and my skill sets. Definitely. Yeah, I would say the same thing. I am still a very shy person when it comes to me, but I am not shy about my work.
1: Exactly. I'm the same way. I'm very quiet in terms of my personal life but you get me talking about social media and digital media and you will not be able
0: to shut me up that's me you talk about education you're like sir this is a party we're not here to talk about education (laughs) i'm like well it's important we need to talk about it (laughs) i'm just saying i'm right there with you (laughs) so in high school um were you a great student although i'm sure you were so that's not a question i probably need to ask but as it relates to your interests and passions, what were you really interested in when you were like a high school student?
1: Well, in high school, as I said, I was very shy and I was just I was really focused on um my schoolwork, but I was very fortunate because um I was able to be in this special program. I don't know if they have it today. It's called the Upward Bound program. And it's a program to get you ready and prepared for college. And that program like changed my life because although I knew I had to go to college, my mother said, everybody in this house is going to college. That means me and my sister had to go. I really didn't know what it looked like and what it meant. And so that program allowed me to, you know, prepare for my SAT to meet other students at other schools and just to build up my confidence and say, you know what, I I can do this.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's funny that you say that. I actually work with Upward Bound every summer with a group of students. Um, I was not in the program myself, but it's something that um, I saw to be a huge advantage for students. And um, an undergraduate, I heard about it. Like Again, I didn't know about it. And um, I started volunteering. And now as an adult, I now teach courses every summer uh, with those students. And let me say this. Upward Bound students are some amazing students. They just need access. They just need access. And so I love that program. So I love to hear you say that. Shameless plug for those in Upward Bound. Uh, Keep doing great work. And if you don't know about it, go learn about it and get involved. All right. So back to you. So you go to college and you major in marketing.
1: Yes, I do.
0: So now tell me about that interest. What sparked that major? What sparked that interest? Um, And and of course, you would say now that was a great decision. I don't know.
1: I was passionate about business and marketing. I was just fascinated about how companies and brands will put together different campaigns to get you interested in their products and services. And so that was just something that was very interesting to me. And I'm like, you know what, I want to major in business and marketing. And then later on, I just saw a gap in how um, advertisers had limited, um, I guess, money focused towards people of color Mm -hmm. so then that's what i became passionate about is digital media and diversity how Mm -hmm. do we see these different advertising companies allocating funds towards people of color and and really seeing that this is a viable market we need to focus on people of color black people in particular because they have strong power strong spending power and they really advance culture so Yes, that's what I was interested in initially um, in, in college.
0: Yeah. And so you went on, you got your master's. Now, at some point, you decided you wanted to go on um, and get your doctorate. So my question is always, what sparked that interest? What, what made you say, I want to go all the way? After I completed my master's
1: degree, I just always knew that I wanted to get my doctoral degree. And this was early on. And I really thought about it. And I would say one thing is timing is everything. Yes, yes. Timing is everything, because when you start a doctoral project or program, you really need to know that this is a commitment of time and it's a commitment of resources and I just knew that that was something that I wanted to do. I, I love learning. I love education. Uh, as you know, I'm an instructor, so I love teaching. And I just felt like having that doctoral degree will really help escalate my career in terms of wanting to be a specialized in this area of digital media.
0: Mm. So now let's talk about that journey. How was it? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, 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 so much to talk about there. <laughs> um,
1: you know, it was a great journey, mm-hmm. um, but it had it had like anything in life. You know, there's no shortcuts. You yeah. know, and it did. There was some you know challenges and some successes, and and it was a long journey for me because I was not the um, PhD student who went straight from their master's program into a doctoral program. In fact, when I started my doctoral program, it was later on in life and I had two jobs, you know, wow. I had a full-time job and I was a lecturer, an uh, adjunct lecturer, and I was involved in numerous nonprofit for profit organizations. So it really, really, really was important for me to just hone in and be able to focus on my dissertation and finishing my studies while also maintaining my life as well. So yeah. it was a big commitment of time and resources, as I said earlier.
0: Yeah. Would you say it was beneficial, though, entering the program? You had a very clear focus on kind of what you wanted to research?
1: Yes, because by the time I did enter, I knew exactly what I wanted to discuss. And I was thankful for for in my case, you know, my years of work experience, Um, my community service work, all of that kind of gave me the lens in terms of, okay, I know what I want to discuss in my paper.
0: Most definitely, I agree. Um, And so for everybody out there, um, sometimes some people can go straight through, you know, these younger people, they go get the bachelors and the masters and go straight through. And then for some of us, The work experience really does uh, inform our work as it relates to the research, and it makes it more powerful because we're not talking just from theory. We talk about it from a practical standpoint, and I think that makes you more passionate about the work that you do and how you come out of the program continuing to do the same work. What would you say to that? I have to say amen to that because (laughs) I say that to my
1: students all of the time that I am considered. I consider myself a practitioner. I'm still involved in the theory aspect of as well as point of my as part of my education. But also, I still have my foot in the door in terms of working with different companies and organizations. So I'm bringing you not only theory, but I'm bringing you practical. Application and I say this on a regular basis. So I'm sharing with my, them my years of experience. Also, in addition to that, when I look at my syllabus, I also look at which I don't know if this is unique to me, but I look at job descriptions because I teach social media and digital media, and students want to get jobs in that field. So I'm looking at job descriptions and saying, okay, what are employers looking for right now? What skill sets do you need to have? And I try to incorporate that. In my syllabus to my students. So you're going to learn theory, but you're going to learn real life, practical information that you can apply towards a job.
0: Yeah. And see, that makes what you do so relevant to these students because they're coming in, they are already exposed, living in a digital world. Um, And so it would be ridiculous to be in a class so antiquated that who is not abreast or informed of what's happening right now. And so I think you do a great job. And so uh, honestly, you're not a professor uh, that can sit back and just continue to teach the same thing. You've got to go out and figure out, okay, what is going on in the world as it relates to digital media? So that way my students can leave here, Be employed and be informed. So I love that you're doing that. I love it. I love it.
1: Thank you. Because I've been teaching social media for 10 years now. And I always say every course is different. What I was teaching nine years ago is not the same thing that I'm teaching now. You know, every class is a different app. We were talking about Periscope years ago. We're not talking about Periscope now. We're talking about TikTok now. You know, so every, every year, every semester is something new.
0: Wow! I thought, wow, Periscope—it seems like yesterday, right? But it was right it was a long time ago.
1: Yes, yes, and oh, wow. it was big then.
0: It was huge. Yes. I, yeah. I would, I would age myself and go back to like um, MySpace and Black. I know you're
1: not aging yourself. I know. <laughs> we had discussions about that too.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was like, what is what is MySpace like? Oh, don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> so so let's talk about the work. And so you finished the degree. First of all, how proud were you of yourself?
1: I have to say I was very proud. I was very proud. And finishing it was um, was something I'm very proud of. And you know how they say that phrase, it takes a village. It took a village for me to, to complete this. And I say that in terms of a support system. I was so thankful for my family, my friends, my colleagues who were so supportive of me during that process. You know, sometimes you need people to offer you a word of encouragement or maybe do something a favor for you, you know, so that you can finish your studies or get a paper done. I mean, I have to thank so many people, my family, my friends, my colleagues, my instructors, so many people. And sometimes what got me through that, too, was also music. There were some wow. nights I would be up late at night working on my chapter two and I would just need some inspiration and I would just listen to music. And my favorite song that really got me through the process was this song. I don't know if people are familiar with it, but it's called Optimistic. And it's by the sounds of blackness, and it would always say, "Keep on, keep on, be optimistic. You know, you will always pass the test. Keep your head to the sky." And I would just listen to those words as encouragement when I was up at two o'clock in the morning trying to get <laughs> <laughs> the paper done. So all of that helped me finish and complete my my program.
0: Yeah, I I can see you up early in the morning, maybe (laughs) drinking coffee and hearing you can win. You can (laughs) keep your head to the sky. Yeah, that's a great song. So somebody out there, somebody needs to adopt that song right now because you're up and you're struggling. And so go listen to Sounds of Blackness. I love that. I talk about you know the program when you're getting your doctorate, it has the two S's. The sacrifice is going to be there. You can't avoid it. Um, but the support is Equally important to balance out that sacrifice. Uh, and like you said, if somebody says, Man, I'm so proud of you, I can't wait till you finish. And you're like, Whew, okay, that's a little nudge right there that's going to get me over the hump for today. Now, tomorrow I'll need another, I need somebody else <laughs> to get me. But for today, that's all I needed.
1: Yes, absolutely. Need. Absolutely.
0: absolutely. Um, so now you talked about working two jobs and being in school. I don't want you ought to be fooled by this young lady. This lady is still just as busy as she was while she was getting that degree. She has not slowed down. So I wanna talk about number one, um, your work as a lecturer. When your students enter into your room, how do you want them to leave? What, What experience do you want them to have when they encounter Dr. Kizzy as a professor?
1: Wow, great question. And it's funny, you use the word experience. Like my class, I always say I want it to be an experience. And from the minute they get there, I make it like a sense of community. And so the first day of class, they have to develop a class hashtag. What does this class mean to you? What do you want to be known for? And the students come up with amazing hashtags like, you know, Baruch influencers. And I had a class of... You know french students social frenchies and they come up with these creative hashtags and they use that hashtag throughout the course to put out information that they've learned in the class and so again when i mentioned earlier i really look at the syllabus at job descriptions and that's how i form my syllabus but we engage in learning about all the different social media platforms from a theory perspective but also from practical application. I also bring my class outside of the classroom. Mm -hmm. We have gone to Yelp office, different offices. Um, I've had guest speakers come in from Google, Facebook, Instagram, Yelp, Pinterest. Every social media platform has actually come in and given a presentation to my students. Yesterday, we went on, we did a VR demonstration. We went to another department and we had on the Google um, um, what do you call it? Um, um, I can't even think of the name. We're gonna have to we're gonna have to go back to this, but the Google cardboards. And so it's really about an experience, but also being able to have practical um applications. So they get certifications. I sign them up for free certification so they can walk out of the class, not only with passing the class, but also a certification um, that they can use and they can put on their resume.
0: Wow. Wow. See, I think I need to take your class now, <laughs> um, you know, because we are out here trying to live in this digital space. Uh, some of us are just so accustomed to doing things, doing things in a very normalized, typical way. Um, that's no longer a standard. It's, it's, it's a new way of doing things. Um, so I want you to talk a little bit about now where we are. How do we leverage our social media? Uh, to get some of these opportunities, to be seen and to be noticed, and to get our messaging out there. People like you and I, we're here, we're giving our skills and our resources and our talents, but how can we do a better job of that through the use of social media? Excellent question. And
1: and there's so many talented people just doing wonderful things. And I always say, don't be that well-kept secret. Let people know what you know and and what you're capable of and your skill sets and your achievements and your accomplishments. And that all starts with having a strong social media presence. And I say, start from the beginning, just right now, just Google yourself and see what information shows up when you Google yourself. Because research show, when you Google anything, research anything, Most likely, 90% of people only look at the first page of Google. Yeah. And then 50% only look at the top three results. Yeah. So when you Google yourself, what shows up? It should show up if you have a website, if you have a blog. Those things should show up first. Your LinkedIn page should show up first. So first, start with Googling yourself then I I call it a social media audit. That's what I call it. You want to see what is being said about you and what is on social media and then make it an effort to say, you know what? I'm going to dedicate a certain amount of time each week towards social media. And what that looks like, it could be like on Thursday evenings, I'm going to focus on my LinkedIn. So I'm going to go on my LinkedIn. I'm going to make sure my LinkedIn profile is together. I'm going to like Um, what my colleagues are doing, and I'm going to post things that I have done. Mm. That's why I said, don't be the world's best kept secret. If there's wonderful things that you're doing, let us know about it. So we can say, oh, wow, great job. You know, um, maybe she could help me or he could help me in this area. So really profile what you're doing on social media. And I'll give you an example. Um, for example, LinkedIn, when I had the opportunity to be, you know, a speaker at the Black Doctor Network, that was huge for me. That was a great opportunity. And I posted it on LinkedIn. And it was great. Many of my colleagues weren't aware of it. I posted it. I got so much good feedback. And, you know, you don't know who's looking at what. So the the next week, I was at you know, I was someplace and someone that I didn't even know that follows me on LinkedIn said, oh, congratulations, Sabrina. I heard that you gave a presentation. Would you consider giving a presentation to our leadership group? And I was like, wow. And, And that is the power of social media. Like you don't have to be face to face with anyone now. You can post information and your audience is there and they will respond to it and other opportunities will present themselves. So Social media is, is like, I would say, LinkedIn is like your billboard. I call it my personal billboard and also my phone book. We don't have phone books, so we use our phones for our, our contact information. You have all your contact people in LinkedIn and also your billboard to announce things that you're doing. And that's how people find out the great work
0: that you're doing. And that's just, that's just one example. Can you, I have two questions. hmm can you overshare, number one, on social media uh, to the point I hear people say, well, I don't People think I'm being arrogant or conceited. Mm-hmm. Um, and then number two, should you focus and post on one particular thing that makes you more marketable or can you diversify in your post? Great questions.
1: So for the first question, I believe in what I call the 80-20 rule. And you said, can you overshare? In terms of information that I share, I always say that I want to be a resource to people in the area of social media and marketing. So 80-20 for me is 80% being a resource, meaning that I look for articles about social media and digital media. And so I post those articles so people can say, oh, wow, Sabrina posted this cool article about what's happening with TikTok or whatever. So I'm being a resource to you. I'm giving you information. And then the 20% is what, I'm doing what Sabrina Kizzy is doing, Doctor Sabrina Kizzy, whether it's a speaking engagement or you know my volunteer work. So that way, it doesn't come across as that I'm oversharing. I'm being a resource to you in my area of expertise, which is social media and digital media, and I'm sharing with you current events, current topics on on social media, and then I'm also sharing with you what I'm doing. So to me, when you have that 80 20 rule. It, it To me, it lets people know, okay, she's a resource to me, and she's also letting me know what, what she does as well. And then your other question, if you can repeat it
0: again. <laughs> so when, when we're posting, first of all, duly noted, I'm going to remember the A20 rule to make sure that I'm not looking arrogant as I post. But number two, for those that have multiple interests or, or multiple businesses, do yeah. you want can you diversify your posts or should you keep it streamlined and focus on one thing?
1: You can diversify it, but I always say, um, you know, I want to be a subject matter expert in my area. So I typically stay on things related to social media, digital media, but diversity is very important to me too. So you can break it up, um, as you, as you see fit, but what do you want to be known for? Yeah. And. Where do you where do you want to rely most of your information? Where's your strengths at in terms of that? But you know you can share almost anything, but on certain platforms i I do believe you'll know what the hashtags. This is what I'm gonna discuss and that and that's the great thing about uh, LinkedIn and Twitter and other social media. You can put hashtags so you know with me, she's gonna talk about social media, digital media, education, and mobile and diversity. Those are the areas that I'm
0: going to focus on. Yeah. Now I'm asking for myself, but also I do some mentoring and I have a young man who is a realtor, but he's also a trainer. Mm -hmm. And I suggested that he focus um, on the realtor side of it right now because he's new to that. Right. And so if Mm -hmm. I'm looking for a real estate agent, I may think this guy is not even focused on real estate. He's always talking about working out and training. I'm like, okay, can you take me out to show a house or are you going to be in the gym all day? Like, which one is it? Well,
1: I'm glad you mentioned that because my background was in real estate investing. And when I said earlier in our conversation, I used to tell my mom that I wanted to own a piece of the Big Apple. In my mind, I think it meant like I wanted home ownership. And I'm thankful that I was able to do that. And when I was in real estate, that's what I did. I focused everything on real estate, hashtag real estate, my company's name and whatnot, so that people can have an idea of what I'm doing and, you know, they can um, reach out to me. But I know someone who she's in real estate and she's also an influencer and she does fashion and she's Mm -hmm. able to maintain them both. On a regular basis. So she will put out information about real estate and her listings, but she also is in fashion too. And she does them both quite well.
0: Mm, Okay. I'm I'm gonna let him know. You can do it. We got to find a balance though. And Dr. That's the word. A balance. (laughs) Yes. Yes. (laughs) So talk a little bit about mobile marketing. So that's a that's a term that I'm not as familiar with. Um, so what is that? How are students using it? How are you teaching them to use mobile marketing?
1: Well, I'm looking at mobile, and that's really um was the premise behind my dissertation. So my dissertation really focused on mobile advertising, and that's really getting information and in ads via your mobile device or your mm-hmm. tablet or something. And so my dissertation was entitled The Effects of African American Blacks Millennials Perceptions of Mobile Advertising. And to me, it was fascinating because, you know, when you focus on your dissertation, they always tell you find a gap in the literature, right? <laughs> right. And the second thing they tell you is focus on what you're passionate about. So I'm passionate about marketing, uh, social media, and and doing all these, you know, projects and whatnot. I found that there was tons of studies done on different demographics, and their acceptance of mobile advertising. But I could not find one study on Black and millennials' acceptance of mobile advertising. None. Until I one day found a study that was conducted in South Africa on where a researcher did study on millennials' acceptance or of Um, advertising in Africa and I reached out to her and I said I would love to do this study in the United States can I extend your study here and she's like absolutely and so that's what I did I did a study where I evaluated black millennials and this was earlier this year in January and just really asked them what is it about um, mobile advertising that would get your attention Because when we look at it, we look at it in terms of attitudes and advertisers want to know, what do we look at in terms of what would make you interested? So is it that you're interested because it's entertaining? Mm -hmm. Is it because it provides information? Is it consumer benefits? What are those things? So I was so excited about it and found out that, you know, Black millennials are interested in mobile advertising if it is informative and it provides consumer benefits. And in my study, I also looked at Black millennials spending on products and services and was able to come up with a ton of different findings on that, which I'm really excited to share in the near future with um, different articles that I'll be putting out there. So it's really about people's um, wanting to accept advertising via their um, devices. But what is so powerful about this in terms of the gap in literature or really what's happening in the industry I found that many advertisers declined, really decreased the amount of spending that they allocated towards um, black consumers. Mm. And in my research, I found out that in terms of mobile advertising, which was huge, that African-Americans spend more time on their phones than any other ethnic group. Wow we spend an hour and 30 minutes more than anyone else any other ethnic group and that is powerful so if we're on our phones more than anyone else why isn't there more targeted advertising towards our group when we have the largest spending power we are um really digital um you know savvy and you know we are consumers that Advertisers just do not take advantage of. And so I want advertisers and marketers to really pay attention to black consumers and our spending power and allocate the necessary resources to advertise towards us. Because Mm -hmm. don't you enjoy looking at ads with people that look like you in those ads?
0: Yeah. 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 Most definitely. And would you say, um, because I do see on I guess, traditional media, so television, I do see more representation there. Um, Maybe they, would you say they, they have become to respect our buying power through those platforms, but social media, we're a little bit behind in those areas?
1: I would say we need to see more. Yes, I agree with you. I do see companies having more diverse ads, but I really recognize that we need more in comparison to other groups that are showcased on television and social media. And so with that being said, inappropriate ads, sometimes we've heard a lot of, you know, incidents where you're like, how did they get away with doing that kind of ad? That's totally inappropriate. Who was sitting at the table when they made that decision to do that? You know, we need to be at the table when these decisions are being made, because sometimes the ads come out and we're in the ads, but they're not appropriate ads.
0: Yeah. Yeah, they're insulting. Exactly. Well, exactly. If, if someone asks me, I have a recommendation for someone that can be at that table. Uh, her name is Dr. Sabrina <laughs> can Definitely Let them know to reach out to you, because as we talk about your work in the future, I could definitely see your research and your passion of uh, being able to support the efforts through social media and various companies that are trying to find a way to do that. So is that a lane you're trying to see or you'll see yourself moving into in the next Definitely. Time?
1: Definitely. Absolutely. Yes. I want to have a seat
0: at the table
1: and speak at um, different organizations and conferences and let them know about my findings and see how I could be of resource to them, a resource to them. Definitely.
0: Yeah, I think when they hear that data, it's going to be um, either alarming or, as we would say here in the South, you're going to start stepping on some toes. And when people's bunions start hurting, they start doing things differently. (laughs) And so I'm okay with a little bit of discomfort in order to make things better for for people that look like me in my community. Me too. Me too. (laughs) So when this is all said and done, what do you want your legacy to be?
1: Great question. So I want my legacy to be about a number of things. First, I want it to be about community service because Mm -hmm. I feel like I've dedicated the last 25 years to community service. I have been involved with many non for profit organizations, large, small, um, throughout um, New York City. And that's what I'm passionate about, giving back to my community um, and also communities of color. Yeah. You know, when I was growing up, my dad always said, you know, You have to give back to the community. You have to support your local businesses and organizations. And we would do that, you know, and my mother also emphasized education. Education is the key. So my legacy, one, would be about my involvement in community service and what I can do to strengthen the community. Um, Number two is being an educator. I am proud to say that, you know, I helped lead, inform, inspire, and motivate the next generation of leaders. So I'm proud to say that I'm an educator. And then also too, as we mentioned, diversity and mobile is important to me. I want organizations to recognize the buying power and just the Black consumer's strength and, and value our dollar. And so if I have an opportunity to be at a table where I'm, I, I'm able to talk about the value of our dollar mm-hmm. and what a contribution that we make in society, then I would like to do that. And just hopefully be an inspiration to those who want to, you know, pursue their doctoral degree and, and let them know that it
0: can be done. Yes. yes, And I love that you said, a Professor, uh, when I asked you the question about your classroom and, and what experience you want your students to have um, while they're with you. I could I could see you light up and I could tell that's something that you're really passionate about. Um, and you go in intentionally providing opportunities and information to them that they can really, really use. It's just not about the title and it's not about the check. It's about change for you. And so I definitely got that sense. So number one, thank you for just being a servant leader uh, and always putting yourself out there to support others and to make a difference, because that's really, really important.
1: Thank you. I appreciate that. And I always say it's never about me. It's really about You know, how do you help the next person? How do you inspire? How do you motivate? We all need that. We all need to lift each other up. We need to inspire. We need to encourage others in whatever they want to do. And in terms of your career, you know, it's okay to pivot. It's okay if you go in one direction and you decide you want to do something different. That's fine. But do what you're passionate about, you know, what you're inspired to do. Be passionate about it. And let's always help the next person along.
0: Yeah. And this is another question. Um, Would you say it's important that your social media presence um, is an extension of who you are in your everyday life? That is an
1: excellent question. And so, as I said earlier, you should definitely do a social media audit, but also your social media should reflect. And that's the one thing I do like about social media in terms of you get to let people know what you want them to know about you. You are in control of what you want them to know. So yes, you want to it to be an opportunity for you to express what you're doing, who you are and let people know this is who, who I am. This is what I'm interested in. And, you know, not be afraid to showcase that, you know, and it's not, and you mentioned something important. Many people are, you know, they don't want to come off a certain way. They don't want to seem like they're being cocky or whatever. It's not about being cocky. I believe that we, all, we all have blessings. We all have special talents and gifts. And it is such a waste when you don't share your talents and gifts with others. And that's why social media allows that. You know, if you're an artist, if you're an educator, whatever it is that is your skill set, you should definitely share it with the world. And you can share it in the world world where it doesn't seem like you're being, you know, cocky or you're being like, oh, self-motivated. No, I just want everyone to know what is special about me?
0: Yeah, yeah. You talked about sharing, and you mentioned earlier that you actually came and shared with us at the conference just recently. So I want you to talk a little bit about that experience uh, at the conference and just being connected with the Black Doctoral Network.
1: Well, oh, that was exciting. Well, first of all, my first experience was in 2021. So I attended the ninth annual um, Doctoral Network um, conference, um, via virtually. Mm. And so that was exciting. So that was my first conference was a virtual conference. It was amazing. It was awesome. And after that conference last year in October, I said, you know what, on my vision board, I want to speak at the next conference. And I will tell you this, when I had to defend my dissertation and they asked me, well, what are your future plans? That was included in it. I planned to speak at the Black Doctor Network and be able to speak about my dissertation. And it came true. So this year I was so honored and excited to be at the conference in person and to um, deliver a a presentation. And so the experience was I, I cannot tell you it was wonderful. I came back home so motivated and so inspired because first of all, I met so many amazing people, amazing people that I would have never had the opportunity to meet if I had not attended the conference. So I met wonderful people. I got to share information about my research and it just felt like home. Mm. I don't know. I don't know how to say it any other way. It just felt like I was at home. Yeah, I felt comfortable. I was able to share my information and I give many presentations on a regular basis. But I have to say at that conference, I was it just felt like home, like I was among friends and family.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, we thank you so much for coming down to Atlanta and sharing with us. Um, I, I'm like you when I try to describe it to people. It's hard to put into words the feeling that you have when you're there uh, and what it does to validate your presence. And when I say presence, that encompasses everything, who you are, your work, your research, your interests, your passions, everything about you. That conference just elevates it. That's the best way I can describe it. You said it exactly,
1: you said it better than me. Yes, yes, yes. It was just, it was so motivating, so inspiring. And it was just, it was like at a comfort level where, you know, these are my people. Like I can Mm -hmm. share this information and they get it and they understand it and they are supportive and they're, they're rallying you on. And the students were wonderful. They had the poster competition, which was amazing. Was so proud of all those young people just an amazing opportunity. So I highly recommend that if you have not done so, or even if you have in the past, you definitely need to attend that conference. It is well worth the time.
0: Yes. Yes. Well, Dr. Kizzy, um, thank you for that shameless plug, but also Thank you for taking time out of your day to join me for the here on the Black Doctors Talk podcast. I really appreciate it. It was great meeting you in person. Uh, and this interview has been a wonderful extension of that conversation um, that we had. So what I want you to do now is share with our viewers and listeners where they can go to learn more about you and all of the great work that you're doing.
1: Great. Well, you can definitely find me on LinkedIn under Dr. Sabrina Kizzy and my social media handles for... Uh, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, is Sabrina on Move.
0: All right, you have it right there, guys. Go check out Dr. Kizzy. And if you have a little bit extra time, go and check out the Black Doctoral Network as well. We would love to connect and share with you through all of our social media channels. Well, this has been an amazing interview. I've learned a lot. And it was free, guys. She didn't even charge me for this. So this that's even, <laughs> even better. Um, so please, please, please go follow Dr. Kizzy. Come back next week. I'll be with another amazing guest. I never disappoint you guys. I'm telling you, we have the best and the brightest in all the world here on the Black Doctoral Network. And we get an opportunity just to share them with you for a little bit on the Black Doctor Talk podcast. Well, until then, please comment, like, share, and subscribe. And as I always say, Go and tell a friend, tell your pastor, tell your mom, tell somebody about the Black Doctoral Network. We would love to connect with you. Until then, I love you. Be safe. Be blessed. Peace out.